Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. I'm going to start today with a quote from the voice of knowledge, Don Miguel Ruiz. He says, why do we suffer? We suffer because something is hurting us. That's why. It's a normal reaction to being hurt. But what is hurting us? What hurts us is the voice of the liar that is often inside our head. That liar that keeps telling us the way we should be or the way we could be, and the way that we're not. The hate, anger, strong emotions such as jealousy, they're all normal emotional reactions to being hurt. It's just a reaction to what we believe. If we change that belief, then hate will transform into love. We've been using this, uh, this sweet book of uh, Don Miguel Ruiz uh, to talk about finding inner peace, to talk about, in, about finding inner freedom. And I think the freedom that he so clearly talks about is a result of really deciding what's true about ourselves in our own heart, in our own mind. So far in this series, we've talked a lot about lying. In fact, I, I might be considered the lying minister for the last few weeks because we've really talked about the things running around in our heads that have very little, if any, bearing to the truth. And certainly, they don't represent truth as us. And by that, I mean all of the stuff that just gets just gets really funneled in us like a, like a fire hose from the media and from uh, um, uh, people outside of ourselves, even from our own family and loved ones, often what's coming our way is a description of who we should be, of, of what life says we should do, of, of, of how this should work, what it is to be the perfect mother, what it is to be the, the perfect husband, what it is to be the perfect office worker, what it is to be the, the perfect, you name it, right? Doesn't society have a way of describing every little last detail? of what you should be. But you know what? These are just patterns as we have learned these last couple weeks. All these should be's, all these have to be's are really someone else's idea of what life could be like. It's not that they don't work for some people, but do they work for us? So today I'm going to give you a little tool uh, to help us decide what's true for us. Not just what's true in general, not just what other people think we should be or could be, but really what is right for us. And the tool, believe it or not, is our emotions. We're going to talk about emotions today, and so naturally I found um, kind of a corny joke, kind of, about emotions. So students in the psychology program at Georgia State University were attending their first class on emotional extremes. Well, it's more than just love and hate or joy and sadness, said the professor. There is an unimaginable range of emotions out there. And in order to explore some of them, let's work through some examples. So the professor turned to a student from Alabama. What's the opposite of enthusiastic? Um, well, that would be bored or even ennui, replied the student. Very good, said the professor. He then turned to a student from Mississippi. And what's the opposite of gloomy? Hmm, elated, she answered. Very good, said the professor. And you, young man, he said to a student from Texas, what could we say is the opposite of the emotion of woe? 
Well, sir, replied the Texan, I believe that would be giddy up. <laughs> well, I told you it was a little lame. So what are these things called emotions? First of all, I think that our emotions are how our heart speaks to us. Right? We're used to our mind speaking. We're used to that chatter going on in our head. We're used to having, I don't know, tens of thousands of thoughts every day. That's how our mind talks to us. But as we've learned over the last couple of weeks, often what our mind is filled with are somebody else's ideas. One thing I think that is truly authentic is the voice of our heart. And if you really have the ability to understand what's going on in your heart, really to feel your emotions, and I know some of you are going, well, of course, like everyone feels their emotions. Oh, I wish it were true. For many of us, especially some of the gentlemen in the audience here, I would suggest that emotions from an early age are kind of frowned upon a little bit, right? I know that for many of the guys and even for a lot of the women, emotions were associated with pain or weakness, associated with things that we don't really want to look at or evaluate. And so often, often even we think, well, yeah, I'm feeling really pissed off, but I'm just going to sweep it under the rug. Do we have any sweepers under the ruggers here? <laughs> I think I, yeah, exactly. Oh, thank you, Jim. I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> yes. So, so we have this tendency when things go wrong, right? Wrong, of course. We'll put that in quotes for now. When things don't go to our liking, maybe that's a better way of putting it. Oftentimes, our initial reaction is a little bit of anger, a little bit of upset, like, why did this happen? Why is it me? But then what do we do? We kind of just push it under the little rug a little bit. And I would suggest in particular with other people, don't we do that, right? Have we all been in a position of living with someone who has habits or ways of being or ways of speech that are not quite connected to the way we would like to be or like to be treated or have the house kept up or whatever it is? And, and don't we tend to initially just kind of go... <gasps> Right? Like we've been offended. But, you know, we're a coarse and polite society, right? So when I'm offended, I don't say anything. Oh, everything's fine. Everything, I'll just shove that little hurt under the rug. And then a little time goes on and another little hurt happens. And we kind of, you know, after a while the rug gets pretty lumpy, <laughs> doesn't it? But we continue for a while shoving some of our emotions under the rug. But you know what happens Sooner or later, the hurt doesn't go away, right? I guess that's what our thought is initially, is if I get clever enough at not feeling it, then the feeling just doesn't exist. But the truth is, it continues to exist. Now, the signpost that Don Miguel Ruiz is talking about is that when these feelings come up, first of all, we have to know that we've had them. We have to recognize, gosh, I'm feeling a little heat here, or I'm feeling a little sadness here. We have to own up to what we're really feeling, and we have to recognize that it isn't causative. It's not because we're angry that we do things. It's not because we're hurt that we do things. Our feelings, believe it or not, are a result of reality and our picture of how things should be in our heads, purely in our heads. It's when those things don't match up. So we have an idea of how our spouse or how our roommate or how our friend or how our coworker should behave doesn't match up to reality. That's what produces the anger. And I want some real clarity here. 
It isn't the other person. It's our expectation. Because isn't that where we normally go? Where we go is, well, she should have behaved differently. He should have been a, a nicer boss on that day. He had no call to, to do that thing or behave that way or, or talk to me in that fashion. It's like, how dare he? He's the reason I'm angry. If only he would behave, <laughs> then my life would be in good order. But don't you see, this is not a solution. This is a reflection of what's going on right here. We are the ones, whether we recognize it or not, that are actually choosing to feel those emotions. And I have to tell you, how does it feel when someone expects things of you that you're not feeling? Have you ever been in a position where someone just was pretty upfront about it and just says, I wish you'd behave in this way. I wish you were a better father. And here's the 85 different ways that you would be a better father, right? And, and while, you're, while you're looking at that list, I'll make up a few more items to put on the bottom of it. Or maybe it's a boss that has crazy and unreasonable expectations of you. And our urge is just to say, to heck with them. I'm moving out. But I'm here to suggest that every single person on this planet has the right, has the duty to be uniquely them. Sometimes that's as annoying as all get out. And they have that right and that duty. We do not have the right to say to someone, you need to behave this certain way. Oftentimes we make our friendships, our relationships, I think, contingent on this idea that I will love you if you fit into this pattern. I will honor you if you behave these certain ways and, and talk to me these certain ways. And, and I think there's even, uh, back again to the uh, modeling that we get as children and the relationships that we see, hasn't our heads been kind of filled with some of that uh, nonsense, if you will, that somehow people have to meet our expectations. This is one of the ways that strong emotions come up when someone, when we perceive that someone isn't meeting our expectations. But what is really happening here? It's really the expectation that's causing us trouble. There isn't anything wrong with the other person. So what if they're, they're not as silver-tongued as we would like? So, so what if they don't quite clean up after themselves? So what if they don't know how to approach uh, troublesome, uh, troublesome problems without you know, carrying on or making a fuss? So what if they're a drama queen? They have that right. The expectation in us is actually what's causing the unhappiness and the pain. It is our belief that they should be different. I'm suggesting that when we have strong emotions in our life that we evaluate them in light of our own beliefs and ideas. Am I angry truly because of what someone else did? Or am I angry because of my expectation? And you see, I have a choice, right? Ultimately, I even have the choice, well, maybe I don't want to hang out with that person, right? And that would be, an, I think, an honest choice. An honest choice would be, you are who you are. I'm not going to try to change that. And it happens to be someone 
that maybe I don't want to live with or someone that I don't want to be best friends with. That would be very honest. What doesn't work out so well is the kind of passive aggressive, I'd love you if you did these things. I'd be your friend if you behaved a certain way. I would, I would love to have you over to my house and here's the set of rules. <laughs> I would, you know, let's go on vacation together, but let's have a little talk about how I expect you to behave while we're in Hawaii. Have you ever had those kind of conversations with people? They're very uncomfortable because instinctively you know if someone was approaching you that way, you'd be all about just stay in your own business. You don't have the right to tell me who I am. So next time you have a strong emotion, next time those feelings that I call it the voice of the heart. It's always, it isn't always pleasant. It isn't always the voice of love, even though it's the voice of our heart. But when we have a strong emotion, good or bad, let's take a look at it and see what our ideas are, what our beliefs are that are helping us to realize that emotion. Is it really that something needs to happen out in the world? Or do I just need to get a better clue about what's going on in my own head? Do I need just to think in terms of preferences rather than right or wrong? Do I need to not make myself right at the expense of a relationship? The other thing that Don Miguel Ruiz says is that so often if we want to find out what's going on in our head and really figure out what's true for us is that it's a matter of faith. And he talks about two specific forms of faith. He calls one of them blind faith and he calls one of them true faith. Now blind faith, as you might imagine, is something that you just believe is true and act upon it whether you have any evidence of it or not. So as an example, right, there was a time when you went to get your learner's permit for driving, right? You did not need to prove to yourself ahead of time that we should drive on the right side of the road, right? You could just observe it. You could read it in the, in the manual. You'd been in the car with your parents before. You didn't need someone to prove to you that driving on the right-hand side of the road would be a good thing to do. It was obvious to you, but it was also just handed to you. Society in America says we drive on the right-hand side of the road. So there's a good example of a belief that's blind. We don't need to experience it ourselves. It's kind of the rule. Sometimes those blind beliefs are good. Like I think it's in general a nice idea that we've all agreed <laughs> how to drive on the road. If it was like, well, you have to watch the schedule because some days we drive on the right and some days we drive on the left. That would be crazy, right? So some of these blind beliefs, the things that we take for granted are good things. Other times, though, not so much. Remember how maybe your mother or your grandmother told you what it would be like to be a parent and how you should parent someone. And then, of course, you have your own children and you go, oh my gosh, there's so much she didn't know. There's so much that's different in modern society than it was 25 years ago. So many different things that I had to find out for myself. I couldn't simply take her blind faith in how to raise children. It was a good start, and she meant it very lovingly, right? She wasn't trying to mess us up, <laughs> but it wasn't the whole story. 
So that's when blind faith can get into trouble. When we simply go by the pictures that exist out in the world, faith in what it is to be a woman in today's society, faith in what it is to, to be a good parent, faith in what it is to be a good coworker or or a boss or whatever it is, we have all these roles that were kind of handed to us. And sometimes they work, sometimes not so much. The other kind of faith that Ruiz talks about is true faith. This is something that you have experienced and built yourself. True faith comes from an experiential uh, uh, awareness of what's going on in your life. Has anyone here, in fact, I want to ask a question, because this only really about five years ago happened to me for the first time. Has anyone here experienced doing an activity, uh, in particular maybe a job or a volunteer position or something, where you felt 100% ideally suited to it? It's lovely, it's lovely. And doesn't it feel wonderful when you know that you're in the right place, doing the right thing, and it suits you? It isn't that you're struggling, it isn't that you're trying to be something or do something you're not, but simply what you are is being outpictured in also what you're doing, and it's just a perfect fit. And uh, those are the kinds of jobs or activities, right, where at the end of it, Hours later, you don't feel tired. You feel, what? Energized. Yeah. You feel stronger and better for spending five hours at work. When you're in that place of perfect alignment with what you are meant to do, what you're called to do, what you are doing is you are developing faith in yourself. You have noticed Somehow, sometimes by chance, I have to admit, sometimes we'll fall into those positions or, or ways of being in the world purely by chance. But when we discover what they are, we begin building our faith in ourselves, our faith that I'm in the right place at the right time, our faith that I can make a difference, our, our faith that I'm good at what I do, that enjoyment comes from authentically being me and who I am. And this too is the voice of your heart speaking. Because the voice of your heart just doesn't also give you messages of fear or what to avoid or what thought patterns in your head need adjusting. The voice of your heart also tells you, yes, this is, what's, this is what I'm about. This is where joy comes from. This is where I want to live my life. Unfortunately, sometimes with that voice, even when it's the good voice, don't we start trying to match it up and commingle it with all the rules and stuff? I was, I was meeting with a young woman not too long ago, and she said, well, what I, what I really love to do is I love to sing. And it is, it, it's such a, a wonderful thing for me. And, and I just know that if I can get a job singing, that then the rest of my life will, will unfold more perfectly and, and, and more joyously and I'll feel more authentically real. And I thought to myself, well, that could be true. That absolutely could be true. But does it have to be a job? Can we not sing without making it a job? 
You see, I think that we do all have special gifts, that each one of us is here for a purpose on this planet. And what I also know is that many of us express it in different forms, that the, the expression itself is not as important as to what's beneath it, the, the joy of sharing, the, the, the joy of making a, a joyous sound. Uh, all of these things are uniquely uh, built into us, what, what, and whatever that gift might be is to be expressed. Do we have to make money at it? Does it have to be expressed in a very certain way? See, I think not. I think that we can be freer with that as we are freer with so many other areas in our life. Does a marriage have to look a certain way and behave a certain way to be good and true? Do we need to have two parents to to make a happy family? All of these questions, I think, uh, even 25 years ago, would have had a very clear answer And what I love about where the world is headed is that we are given ever more freedom in expressing who we are and what we are and what our relationships are and how we give our gift and how we are unique with increasing freedom on how it shows up, on how it's done, on how uniquely each one of us gets to give and show that unique gift. For some of us, it will be in our jobs, and I I feel blessed in, in that respect. For some of us, it will be in a hobby that we do or an activity that we do after work. For some of us, it won't be so much an activity at all, but it will be a way of being. It will be just that joyous expression of life in whatever we do. And when we find that thing, when we're experiencing that that gift, that's the voice of our heart saying, yes, yes, you are in the right spot. You are doing the right thing. It is that moment of internal bliss where time just zips along. (laughs) You almost don't realize you've experienced that, that deep of a connection to yourself and to the divine until it's over. It was that beautiful. This is true faith. I know I want to use one other example of of true faith uh, about our spirituality even. So across the globe right now, it's Sunday, right? A good percentage of the the planet is uh, supposedly worshiping God, right? A lot of us do it through blind faith. Do you know what I mean? It's because we were raised in a certain religion. Uh, Of course, we go to church on Sunday. You know, the the priest or the minister says whatever the priest or the minister says. And I'm no different, right? We have our little pattern here. We we come on Sunday and we we stand up and we sing for a while. And we, we listen to Dee's lovely prayer. And then Larry blabs on for a while about something or other. And, and I mean, hopefully it's uplifting. I mean, hopefully it's inspirational now and then. But it is nonetheless a pattern. And when we introduce new people to it, we're asking them to come a little bit on blind faith. Aren't we? What I know, though, is each person here is also building their authentic faith through their connection to God. And sometimes it shows up as this experience on Sunday. Sometimes it shows up in the, well, in the gorge at Manuka for a retreat. Sometimes it shows up in our, in our own homes when we're interacting with our children or our grandchildren. Sometimes that intense connection to God happens when we're out in nature and is nowhere associated with a church or synagogue at all. And 
And that doesn't make it any less real. It does not make it any less real. In fact, I would like to suggest it makes it more real. When you encounter God on your own terms, when you feel that strength of connection through whatever it is that you see God showing up brightly in, you have created a religion for yourself and I suggest that we worship at it, each one of us, separately and together. I mean, I love what we do here on Sunday. It means the world to me and and I think many of you feel that way. And at the same time, We build our own faith. We create faith through our experience of God, through the the small ways and the large ways that God enters our life. I'm going to close today with another quote from this lovely text and a prayer. This is how Don Miguel Ruiz summarizes this section. He says, Being your best is about trusting in yourself and trusting in all creation, that force of life itself. You set a goal, and you go for it 100% without any attachment to attaining it. You don't know if you're going to reach your goal, and you don't even care if you do. You go for it. And when you are your best, when you've reached that goal, it's wonderful. And if you don't reach the goal, it's wonderful. Because either way, you are complete. You are love in motion, and that truly is always wonderful. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one love, and what I know about this thing, I, I call it God, but, but it going by any name, spirit or the divine feminine, uh, whether it's called Allah or, or Mother Earth, I know that it's about love. It is about that voice of the heart giving us clues and signposts about who we are authentically, about how we can show up and give our gift to the universe with such joy and such pride. And I know this means me. I know that my life moves forward in its unique fashion, full of love, full of joy. And as it is true for me, it is true for each person in this room. Each person here forging and creating that connection to something larger than ourselves. Forging that connection, always stronger, always more beautiful, always more loving to God itself. And I'm just simply grateful for this. And in gratitude, I let it be, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much for being here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.